Well, good morning once again. We're glad that you could be here with us today. And uh, while you're standing, I'm going to ask you if you would take the Word of God and turn with us to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, we'll be reading a couple of verses there this morning. If you would look over to uh, verse 20 this morning. Verse 20 states this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. I want you to notice the phrase here, meet for the master's use. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne of grace today, we thank you, realizing, Father, you are holy. And Father, you're pure, and Lord, as you look into this world, Father, I realize that we are impure, and Father, we are unholy. But Father, thank you so much for bringing your Son into this world. Father, that we might be able to acknowledge him. But Father, not only acknowledge him in faith, but also receive him in that same faith to be cleansed and be purified our own selves. And Lord, to be made clean and to continue in a process of sanctification that, Lord, when we stand before you, that we can truly be holy ourselves and, Father, enter into heaven. Father, I think about your goodness. I think about the blessings that you have given into our world and, and to the people in this church today. And I think to myself how good you are today. And so, Father, I ask you now that you might help us. Lord, once again, be to us, Lord, what you have been in the past. Father, allow your Holy Spirit to work in our midst now and, Father, to speak to hearts and lives of young people as well as older and middle-aged. Father, everyone here, Lord, will you do a, a wonderful work. And these things now we ask in Jesus' name for his sake alone. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I like that song we just got through singing, I want to be more like Jesus. Amen. And I want to do it in my heart. That's where it has to start, you see. If we're going to be like Christ, it has to start within our heart. It starts, first of all, in our heart with salvation. And then from salvation, it goes on into our life that we live for the Lord. And basically, that's what we're actually going to be referring to and talking to a little bit about this morning, is about our lives after we get saved and the things that God desires for us and wants us to do. Now, we that are saved should have a desire to be used of God. Amen. I believe that each and every person, if you are saved, you want to do something for the Lord. Now, you say, preacher, I, I've not been called to preach. I've not been called into the, some form of ministry like evangelism or a missionary. I've not been called to go off into far-off countries or even to stay here homeside and, and go to uh, places and, be, and start churches and plant churches and do things like this. But that's not the only thing that God calls us to do. There are so many things that God and ways that God wants to use us. And so today I want to talk to you about some of that. It's not a burden to do things for the Lord, but it is a privilege. Um, I thank the Lord that he's given us all a privilege to be here today. 
Imagine this, if we got up this morning and all of a sudden there was not a, a place to come to, there was not a desire to come to this place, and we just tried to figure out exactly what we were going to do with our day. But we started off our day properly. We started off our day in the Lord. We began with Sunday school this morning, and those of you that missed Sunday school, you missed a blessing. Those of you that came in for Sunday school, wow, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, we began to learn some things that God wants us to do, and, and the uh, stability and foundation that we're supposed to have as men, but also as parents and uh, mothers and fathers. And then as we come into our worship service today, we sing songs about the Lord and, and how good that God is to us, the salvation that He brings to us, the, the precious blood that cleanses us of our sins, and, and how precious that is. And those things are not a burden to me. It's not a burden to get up in the morning out of bed and know that I'm going to church. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to come to church. It's a privilege that God gives unto us. And so serving the Lord is a privilege. It is not a burden. Now, sometimes in our Christian life, sin creeps into our life. And when sin creeps into our life, then sometimes for folks it seems like a burden because there are stumbling blocks and roadblocks that get in your way of doing things for the Lord. And those come along. And it actually comes along in, in the life of every Christian I have found. So being that it's a privilege to be used of God, Second Timothy in chapter 2 here, Paul gives us five names for the Christian. First of all, if you'll look with me in verse 1 of that chapter of chapter 2, notice as he says here, Therefore, excuse me, thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The first title of a Christian or name of a Christian that he gets here is the word son. Jesus calls us a son. So when you get saved, we're called sons of God. Amen? And that remember that God's word is gender perfect. And that means when he says sons, it is all inclusive of every single person that ever accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, whether you be male or female. Because God's Word is a gender-perfect Word. That's why we don't need these other Bibles that speak to the women only or speak to the men only. We need a book that speaks to both of us the same way. And I believe we have that book in front of us. Amen? Amen. The King James Version, the 1611 version of that. Not the New King James or the NIV or the New American Standard or some of the others that are out there today. But we need the Word of God because the Word of God calls us a son. And then we find something else, another name that God calls a Christian. He not only looks at us as sons, but he also looks at us as a soldier. Look down with me in verse 3. Paul says to Timothy, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so the first name that God gives unto us, he calls us sons. But then after he calls us sons, he tells us that we're soldiers. And Paul uh, instructs Timothy to make sure that he is a good soldier. Amen? Now, a good soldier is a person, I'm sure, that obeys the rules and does what uh, his leadership says and honors his leadership and respects them. 
And so that's what we're to do. Who is our leadership today? Our leadership is God the Father in heaven. Amen? And then that leadership falls down now to the pastor in this, in this church. And then from the pastor down to the deacons and trustees and the rest of the leadership in the church. And we're to honor and respect that as God tells us in His Word. Amen? So God says that Christians are sons. He says that Christians are soldiers. And then look with me in verse 12. Verse 12 he goes over and he tells us there. He says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So what does he say there that we are? Let's look back in that first part. If we what? Suffer. So Christians are people that suffer. So a name of a Christian would be a sufferer. We're a son, we're a soldier, and we're a sufferer. There are going to be things that you and I will endure in this world and that we have endured in this world that will cause us suffering. We know that death itself is something that causes us suffering, but everybody deals with death, do they not? Lost and saved alike. And so you and I, we're going to have to deal with suffering today as a child of God. And we've never suffered like Christ has suffered. We've never been to a cross and nailed. We've never be, been beaten with a cat of nine tails. We, we've never been spit upon in that way and a crown of thorns jabbed down on our head. We've, we've never been beaten so that we were unrecognizable in that sense. Now, there are people in this world that have been in fights and all kinds of things like this, even killed and things like that. But, dear friend, I'm talking about suffering, doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ and then suffering because we do that for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know that you're all, all aware of different sh uh, school shootings around our country in the last 20, 30 years now. And I remember one of the ones that began the uh, rampidness of it, it seems like, and the one there in Columbine where the uh, young girl is confronted and the guy takes, the shooter takes the gun and asks her, does she believe in God? He would not kill her, he said, if she would just renounce God. And she would not renounce God. She confessed God and he pulled the trigger and blew her head off. Suffering. Suffering for the cause of Christ. And I would call that suffering. We stand up for the Lord and we do what God asks us to do and we honor God and we do these things because we love God. I love God today more than any other thing, dear friend. You know, uh, this past, uh, what night was that, Friday night? That we, <laughs> we went over and I tried to act like a teenager and uh, uh, tried to play volleyball. <laughs> I wound up on the floor more than the ball did. <laughs> But amen, I'm aching today because of it. But that wasn't suffering. You know, as I walk today and my muscles hurt and my joints ache and I've been using all them rubs and stuff like that, you know, that's not suffering for the Lord, you know. I did that because it's something I wanted to do. And now I might have suffered through it to finish it up, but I didn't do that for the Lord, you know. I'm talking about suffering for Jesus Christ. When is the last time that you can remember in your life that you have actually suffered for Jesus Christ. And when you answer that question, then go back to the understanding of this scripture where God calls each one of us as Christians a sufferer. So he calls us a son, a soldier, a sufferer. Look on down to verse 15. Verse 15, he says to Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so what is he describing there? 
What type of person studies? A student, you know. When you were in school, you had to study for and learn some things, didn't you? So we are students of the Word of God. We today are to be taking the Word of God on a daily basis and many times throughout that day and taking this Bible and reading it, not just reading it for our pleasure, but to study the Word of God. When I prepare a message, I take the Word of God all week long and whatever message I'm preparing, I'm reading and studying in the Word of God. And sometimes I'll just pick the Word of God up and I'll begin reading the Word of God and God will lay a, what I call a spiritual nugget in my lap and if, when He gives me that spiritual nugget then I begin to ask Him and, and pray unto Him and say, Lord, what would you have me to say about this Scripture? What would you have me to say to the people? Sometimes he says this is not for the people this is for you we are students today dear friends and if we are not reading and studying the word of God like God asked us to how good a grade will we have when we stand before God you know so we need to be in the book amen we need to be in the book daily so we're students God calls us and then in verse 24 look with me Verse 24, he says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. He calls us servants there. We're a servant today unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when the pastor comes and he asks you, uh, Will you do this? Remember, friend, we're a servant unto Jesus Christ. If I ask you to do something, that means that God has laid on my heart to ask you to do something. And that means that if God has laid it on my heart to ask you, that means God is preparing your heart already for the task that is at hand. And if God is preparing your heart for the task at hand, then you should be willing and ready and desirable enough to say, yes, pastor, I'll do that. Because that's what God asks of us to do because we are His servants today. And so as we become these five things, we become a son, a soldier, we become a sufferer, a student, and a servant, then in verses 19 through 22, we find something else. We find our victory, we find our vessel, and we find our virtue. So if we as Christians are these names, then there's these three things that we look at. So let me ask you this question now. What kind of person will you be? And what kind of person is God looking for that God can use then? Well, in Scripture here, He shows us this. So if today we want to be a person that stands as this Christian in all five of these facets that we mentioned here in this chapter... If we want to be that person that God can actually use, what must I do then, God, for you to use me? How, how is my life supposed to be set up? How is my life supposed to be ordained, in a sense, that I can be used of you? Now, let me ask you a question, dear friend. And I honestly want you to answer this in an honest way. Do you and would you like God to use you? If you would, raise your hand. Okay? Just about everybody in the congregation raised their hand. It's interesting. We want God to use us, but then sometimes when God comes to us and He wants to use us, then we're not available to Him. I remember many, many years ago when I was a young preacher. I was about 16 at that time. 
and I remember reading something in Scripture, and I, began, I remember hearing this uh, passage of Scripture being preached on not too long after that, and it was the fact that, that we must make ourselves available to God because God has always made Himself available to us. You know, we, we have so many extracurricular activities, so many things that we do in our lives, and we get so busy about doing all those things that sometimes then when God asks us to do something, we are not available for God to use us. And it is a shame. It's such a shame today that we do not put God first in our life, which actually is kind of what we said when we got saved, that, Lord, you're number one in our life, but then a little bit later on, he's not number one anymore. Now, I know we all have activities. I know we all have different things that we do. But keep this in mind that God always wants to use you, regardless of what activity you have for your own pleasure or your family's pleasure. God always wants to use you. So what then does God say that we need to be for Him to use us? Number one, we need to be a walking person. A walking person. Take your Bible and turn with us to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. When we get over to Proverbs and we look over at verse 18, we're going to read verse 24. Verse 24 says this, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We today in our lives, we must be people that are friendly. And as we walk through life, we must have that friendly attitude that God can help us. Now, what am I talking about? Well, if let's read it again. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So what God is exemplifying here in this scripture is a person who walks hand in hand with Jesus Christ. We're walking together. Amen? I'm not ahead of Jesus. I'm not necessarily even behind him. I'm hand in hand with him. I'm walking with him. Now, and that's the understanding that he tells us in scripture that we're supposed to have as a child of God when God uses us to our friends if we're going to be a friend and if we're going to be friends we must walk hand in hand right we must walk together how can two be two or three be agreed unless they do what unless they walk together and so we must as friends walk in the lord so i want god to use me you've already testified that you want god to use you so you must then walk as a friend to everyone in this church not just those that are here now, those that have been here in the past, and those that, are th that will be here in the future, we must walk together as friends. But the thing that gives us the foundation for that is the fact that we're walking together with God. Amen? The foundation. And that's what it's about today is these foundational things that gives us the ability to walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we must have a friendly walk. Now, let's look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you're going to be turning to several places this morning. So please keep your Bible handy and we'll try to uh, preach as fast as we can. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look down to verse 58. 1 
We not only need to have a friendly walk, we also need to have a faithful walk. Verse 58 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is, he, he's describing a faithful walk. We are to be faithful to our Lord. Notice again what he says there, unmovable, always abounding in what? The work of the Lord. So, preacher, what is the work of the Lord? Well, what did the Lord come to do? Amen. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. So that is the work of the Lord. We are to always be abounding. That word abound means to do it in a great way. We are to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, always, 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 always are to be looking for someone to lead to Jesus. Amen. So we are not only to have a friendly walk, but we're also to have a faithful walk. We're to walk faithfully with God so that we can be in tune, if you will, to people that are lost. Do you actually even know who's lost and who's saved in this world? You, and, and honestly, friends, you never really know until you ask that person, do you? Amen. And when you ask that person... Sometimes people give you all kinds of answers and, and sometimes people know all the answers but they still are not saved. They don't have that understanding. They don't have that, that uh, grace and that mercy that's been applied to their lives and their life shows it. They can give you all the right answers but they do not have the right life. And so we need to have that friendly walk. We need to have a faithful walk. And then over in Hebrews chapter 11, go ahead and continue turning over a little ways. Hebrews chapter 11. And let's look over to verse 5 there. We're to have a fruitful walk. Verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he did what? He pleased God. That means when he stood before God, God was pleased with him. And that means in this situation then that there was some fruit that was being born from his life that produced the fact that God was happy, that God was pleased with him. Can you say today, honestly, that God is pleased with you in your life right now? I mean, stop and think about it. Have you ever really thought about that? Is God pleased with me? I'll be honest with you, dear friends. I think about that on a daily basis. I want God to be pleased with me. And I know there are some days that He's not, you know. There are some days that I say things that I should not say. There are some days that I do things that I should not do. And God is not pleased with that. But I'm talking about God being pleased with us on a daily basis. Is God pleased with you in your life? So we need to have a friendly walk, a fruitful walk, and a, a faithful walk, but we need to make sure that we're walking for the Lord. Amen. Number two, what else do we need to have God to use us? Well, we need to not only be a walking person, but we need to be a worshiping person. We need to make sure that we're worshiping, uh, one that will worship Him. 
When we gather into this place here, this, this sanctuary, this house of God, we are to come in here and we are to worship Him. Now what does that mean? Well, we are to look at the Scripture and we are to have scriptural worship. We are to worship Him in the Scripture. As we read and study the Word of God, the Word of God then would speak to us. And as the Word of God speaks to us, then we speak that out ourselves. Even today as we've been reading these scriptures here, we're to speak that out by affirming that. Amen. That's what amen means. Let it be. You're giving an affirmation of what is being said and what is being preached. And you're saying that I agree with that preacher. I agree with that scripture text. I agree with God on that. Amen. amen. And everything that God here has in His Word to say are things that we must agree on because God is a God who cannot lie. Amen. So we are to agree with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we're to do that in a scriptural way and worship and worship when we gather in here is agreeing with what God says and letting your heart and your spirit speak that agreement to Him. Amen? That's why some of this type of contemporary worship that is out there in our world today that uh, some of these churches are, have, have just flocked to is not really worship at all because they're not really agreeing with what God says in His Word and letting your spirit say that to Him. And so as we look then into this Scripture, we as worshipers... We are to be a worshiping person in a scriptural way. And then we're to do that in a spiritual way also. Take your Bible and turn to John's Gospel chapter 4. John's Gospel chapter 4. And there in chapter 4 we'll look down to verse 24. Notice what God says here. A very familiar passage. Verse 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must do what? Worship Him in spirit and in truth. So in spirit is what we were just talking about a few moments ago. Doing that scriptural way in the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that's within you agrees with God and what God has said and what God is saying in His Word. And we come in tune with that and we get into a spiritual understanding. But then also He says something else. We must worship Him in spirit and what? Truth. Amen? Now where are you going to find the truth at? You find it in the Word of God. And so you take the Word of God and you get in the Word of God. Remember we told you earlier you've got to be studying. And so now that you've been studying, you understand a little bit more about the Word of God. And as you get into the Word of God and you study the Word of God, it becomes truth to you. The, the, the word doctrine simply means truth today. And so when you take and you leave out the truth, you're leaving out God. And too many churches today, too many pastors and preachers, evangelists and missionaries have been leaving out the truth out of the message. They've been leaving the truth out of the things that, that they've been preaching. They've been leaving the truth out of that. And because of that, there's no real true worship in our churches. I can get up here and I can preach though to you and I can preach the truth. But if you don't agree with that truth, dear friend, you're not going to worship God that day. And by the way, just because you don't agree with the truth that's in the Word of God does not make it a lie. Amen? 
So we have here then the fact that we are to be a walking person, but we're also to be a worshiping person, and we're to worship scripturally, we're to worship spiritually, and we're to worship sacrificially. Take your Bible now and turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. If somebody doesn't know where that's at, it's the first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 22, and let's look over to verse 5. Word of God states in Genesis 22, 5, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So what, what was he meaning when he said we're going to go worship? Well, we know he had the sticks, right? He had the wood. There was a bundle of wood that was carried. We know that he had his son. We know why his son was there. His son didn't know at that point in time that he was going to be the sacrifice. So the next thing in our worship, there has to be sacrifice. And so Abraham and Isaac, they walk up the, the last few steps of the mountain. Uh, the altar is being prepared. There's stones that were built there and set there. And he takes the wood. He sets it up on that. He looks around him. And his son asks, where's the, where's the sacrifice? And he says, son, you are. Come here. Do you hear in that story, when you read it, do you hear of any time that Isaac says, No, Daddy, no, Daddy, no, Daddy, you're not going to kill me. No. And you see, what had to happen to the sacrifice, if you remember, is that uh, a lamb or a bullock without spot would have to be, their neck have to be cut right here, and the blood drained from that and caught in a what's called a laver, a little bowl, and it would be caught, and then that would actually be spread around the, the outside of the... Uh, the, the place where they were sacrificing, and then as it burnt, they would take that uh, blood and pour it over that. But one time a year, the high priest would take that blood into the Holy of Holies after he had spilt that blood, and he would pray for the sins of the people. And so here Isaac is. He's the sacrifice. We in our life as Christians, we must sacrifice if we're actually going to have true worship for the Lord. You say, oh, preacher, I did sacrifice. I got up early today so I could come to church. Well, evidently, some of you didn't sacrifice enough because you wasn't here at Sunday school. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Now you say, preacher, you're picking on me. No, I'm not. Remember, we're supposed to be faithful, right? Y'all agree with that? Y'all agree that God says we're supposed to be faithful? Raise your hand. All right. So if we're not doing that, that's unfaithfulness, and that is a sin, Correct? If we're unfaithful and we're disobeying God, I'm showing you here something, friends, okay? Don't get mad at me. If you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at God, and then you can confess that to Him a little bit later on too. So we have a walking person. We have scriptural worship, spiritual worship, and sacrificial worship. And then we have something else that Isaac had to do that day. We have submissive worship. Isaac had to submit himself, didn't he? He was the sacrifice. But in knowing now that he's the sacrifice, the reason he did not say, No, Daddy, I'm not going to do this, the reason he didn't say those things is because he trusted not only his father, but already Isaac trusted God. 
and he became submissive to what his father had told him. That's what a father in a household, in a family will do, especially when he stays there. And that's what real fathers are supposed to do. I'll go back to the Sunday school lesson about that. You know, we have a lot of homes today. The father is the head of the household. God set it up that way. But a father that is not in the home cannot be the head of the household because he's not in the home, is he? We've got to take what we do and make sure that we honor what we do and what our, our things that we're doing are honorable unto the Lord. So we are to submit ourselves. And one of the reasons sometimes when you walk out of the church on Sundays and Wednesdays and you say, well, I didn't get anything out of that, the reason you didn't is because you didn't submit yourself. Amen. When I come here today, I didn't just come here to preach. I come here to worship. Amen. I want to hear from God. And I want to know that I heard from God. And when I go to church services, when I go to some of these preacher conferences that I go to sometimes, when I go to them, I'm going for the sole purpose to be preached to so that I can worship the Lord. And when I walk in that building, I have already submitted myself to hear what God has to say to me, whether it be good, bad, or ugly, you know. I've already submitted that to Him. And I've already submitted to Him to hear that however the preacher preaches it as well. Amen? Whether he preaches it softly or whether he preaches it loudly, I'm there to submit myself to hear what God has to say. And none of those other things mean anything else because the only thing that's on my heart and on my mind is what I have submitted unto God. I'm not looking at my watch and saying, Whoo, preacher's preaching a little long today. You know, somebody's going to beat me down at the Kentucky Fried Line, you know. Uh-oh. Maybe I should be saying, oh, me. <laughs> if God is going to use us, we need to be a walking person. We need to be a worshiping person. And then thirdly, we need to be a willing person. Amen. How willing are you to let the Lord use you? Y'all all raised your hands a while ago. The majority of you did. Now, are you willing to take the next step? Take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, period. Isaiah chapter 6, and let's look over to verse 8. This is the commission of Isaiah from God. In verse 8 he says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Amen? How willing are you to be sent? How willing are you to be sent to the, the junior church down here to teach our children? How willing are you to be sent to teach a Sunday school class? How willing are you to be sent to our Wednesday night services up here for the children and teach our children? How willing are you to teach a Sunday school class 
for the adults or for the children? How willing are you to drive one of the vans, get up a little earlier than everybody else to go pick up people to bring them to the church house? How willing are you to stand up here in the pulpit sometimes and take over for me if I'm not able to be here? How willing are you to do what God says for you to do? These are simple things. It's just as God says in His Word, our reasonable service. Reasonable. These are not things that God is asking outrageous of you. He's asking us all to make sure that we get along with each other, be friends with each other, and worship with each other. And if we can't worship together the way that God wants us to here and we're not willing to do that, how do you think it's going to be in heaven when you get there? People talk about, I can't wait till I go to heaven, but then they can't get along with their neighbor, you know. Well, if you can't get along with your neighbor, listen, dear friend, you're going to have a problem in heaven because your neighbor might be me and your, and your mansion and my mansion might be next door to you. And I sure hope and pray you can get along with me. Have any of y'all found that I'm hard to get along with since I've been here? No? Actually, I think I'm pretty easy to get along with, you know. A willing person. Willing to do what, preacher? Willing to stand. Amen. Take a stand for Jesus. I'm here today. I honor Jesus. I stand for Jesus. He is my Savior. He is my King, dear friend. And I stand for Him today. Amen. But not only are we to stand for Him, we again must suffer for Him as well. And then we're to serve Him. And we're to separate ourselves for Him as well. Oh, here's a problem too. We don't separate ourselves, do we? We have found ourselves so caught up in the world because we have the church has become so worldly that now you can't tell a difference between the world and the church or the Christian and the lost person. Remember I asked you earlier, do you know who's saved and who's lost? And a lot of times we cannot recognize that. I can honestly tell you, when I talk to someone about the Lord or I talk to them about the church, I can tell you whether they're saved or not. You say, oh, preacher, that's a personal thing. That's exactly right. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That when you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it shows forth on the outside. I mean, God speaks through you. And when God speaks through you, He's speaking for you and helps you to do that same thing. So we are to share share these things with other people. Two more things and we're going to close. Two more things that the Lord tells us that we must have if the Lord is going to use us. Take your Bible and turn with us to Psalm 126. You're not too far from there if you're still in Isaiah. Psalm 126. Let's look down to verse 6. He says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Y'all remember that song? Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. When I was a little kid, 
and we'd be in church and they'd be singing that song. I thought it was saying this, bring in the sheets, bring in the sheets, we shall come rejoicing, bring in the sheets. And I thought to myself, well, we hung our clothes on the clothesline outside. Why are we singing about bringing in the sheets? And it wasn't until I began where I could read and understand sheaves. What was he talking about? Oh, he was bringing in the crop, you know, bringing the crop in. And we come rejoicing when we bring the crop in because we know it's going to be a hard winter. We now have food. We have this preparation we can do. And what an exciting time it was at harvest time. But listen, dear friend, there's a harvest time also. Where's the tears that you have for the sheaves out there? Where's your tears that you have for those that are hanging out there on those proverbial unspiritual clotheslines? Where's your weeping? Notice what he said in the first part of that. He that goeth forth and what? Weepeth. We've got to shed tears, dear friends, if we want to worship properly in this house of God that God has given unto us to worship. If we want to worship properly, there needs to be some tears, not because that little Johnny died and, and there was a little grave or the puppy died or the cat died. But listen, dear friend, we're to have worship. We're to have tears for that worship because their souls dying and going to hell. Right. Amen. Are you concerned about that? your family members, your, your workmates, uh, the people that we played volleyball with the other night. I spoke to a man and woman out in the parking lot that played volleyball, or the man did, the woman watched. I spoke to them about church. He said, oh, I've been to your church. They live up around Huntingdon. He said, I've been to your church. I said, well, where do you go to church now? Where do you attend now? He said, oh, we don't. He said, we like to watch them TV preachers at home. Oh, yeah, it's easy to sit there and turn the, the boob tube on, you know, and flick that thing on, and here comes some preacher on there, and he's preaching this, that, and the other, and, and he doesn't believe half of it himself. Come to the house of God, dear friend. There needs to be tears, tears of worship and tears for the souls, tears for the sick, tears for the saints, tears for the sinner. And then as I close this lesson out today, not only should we be that weeping person, but we should also be a working person. Amen. And I'm not talking about your 40 or 50 or 60 hour job that you have outside of this place. I'm talking about working for Jesus Christ. When I got saved, I signed up for work. Amen. And, and God never gives us an opportunity to punch out. We punch in and we stay punched in, working for the Lord for the rest of our lives. Take your Bible now and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're just about done. Ephesians chapter 2. Please look down with me to verse 10. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, a verse that is usually not quoted when we quote Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. But a very powerful scripture. He says... For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should what? Walk in them. So what is he telling us? He's telling us that we're to walk in work. 
If we're going to worship the Lord, if we're going to do all these things that we've mentioned this morning, but all those things come to the point of us being used of God, if we're going to be used of God, we must walk. And we must walk the work. Amen? And work the walk. What he says. Why? Because we are His workmanship. How have we been created? We've been created in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to this earth as the what? The God-man. We have been created in Him. We are physically like Him when He was created and made on this earth. We were all born as a little child, were we not? How many of y'all were born as a full-grown adult? Now, I know when you were 16, you thought you were already a full-grown adult. I know that. And some of these young people in our service, they think that they're already adult enough to make their own decisions on their own. But I can promise you, dear friend, none of us were born in this world grown up. We all have to learn, and we all have to grow. So Jesus Christ was born. He grew as a man, as a little boy, and then became a, a young man, then became an, an older man, got to the age of 33 and a half years old, and they crucified him. He gave up his life for each and every one of us that we might receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are created in him. At the very beginning, God said, Let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have body, soul, and spirit today, dear friends, just like he tells us there. We've been created in Him. We're His workmanship. And He's working on us. Y'all remember that song we used to sing? He's still what? Working on me. Why? Because we're His workmanship. What, sir? Amen. To make me, I'm going to let you get up and sing that, brother. <laughs> we're His. Even the lost are His. He created them. Amen? He created them. And He wants to be closer to you, and that's why He asks you to be saved. Because all those that are His that do not get saved, sadly enough, He's going to say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I know you not. And that's sad. And that makes me weep. You know, I was telling someone the other day, I hear lately, for some reason, it's hard for me to hold the tears back. I've been through a lot in the last two and a half years of my life. Still going through a lot of it. And for some reason, it's just so hard to hold the tears back. And I told that person, I said, I feel like Jeremiah. I feel like the weeping prophet, you know. I'm here to tell you, dear friends, my tears, my tears come down because... I cry for lost people. I cry for churches that have a semblance of, of working for the Lord, but there's no real work there. And Christians that say they love God, but there's no proof of that. We've got to be a working person. There's a call to the work. Take your Bible and turn back over with us now to 2 Timothy. And let's look down to... Chapter 1 and verse 9. And now I'm going to close with this. Say, preacher, how many times are you going to close today? As many as it takes. <laughs> verse 9 says this. 
who hath saved us and called us with an what? A holy calling. Now, wait a minute. Was he talking to everyone there? Yes, he was. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. We have a call to the work, every one of us. Children, moms and dads, grandpas, grandmas, aunts, uncles, cousins, nephews, whatever it may be, we've all been called to the work. Now, you all raised your hand a while ago and you said that you wanted God to use you. Do you really want God to use you? If you really want God to use you, there is a way that that can happen. These five ways that I just mentioned. And I think one of the most important ones that I mentioned is that one where we have to worship. God wants real worship in his churches. Not some form of godliness without having any, any blessing in it or any joy in it. But let it be real. Let it be real. There's a song that I used to hear sung from some of my nieces and nephews for a Walt Disney cartoon that came out, a movie. Some of you know it. The name of the song or the name of the movie was Frozen. Now that probably tells you what the song is. Let it be. Isn't that what they sing in that? Let it be. Let it go. Same thing. Let it be, let it go. You can't let it be until you let it go. And you can't let it go until you let it be, right? See, I knew y'all knew the song. Now, I want to tell you something, friends. When we stand before the Lord, honestly, when we stand before the Lord, I'm afraid sometimes that when I stand there that he's going to look at me and say, you can come in, but there's not enough work. Why didn't you do more for me? And I'm your pastor, friends. I'm the example. It's what God tells us we are. And sometimes I fail. And I know if I fail, I know some of y'all do too. And I'm not setting myself up on some pedestal when I say that. Because I'm flesh and bone just like you are. I put my socks and shoes on the same way that y'all do. Either sock, shoe, or sock, sock, shoe, shoe, you know. Or no sock and shoe, shoe. <laughs> oh, friend, there's none of us in this building any better than anyone else. When we stand before God, God's going to look at us based on the work that we've done for him. And I want to be used so much that when I stand there, that God can say, well done. Well done. And the only way we're going to hear well done is if we let God use us. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne of grace today, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. Now, Father, I ask today that you would speak to these 
Lord, that you would help them to realize that there is a great need for them to be used. Lord, you have jobs and tasks for each and every person to, to do for you if we're just willing to do it. And Lord, let you be the main thing. I've heard Pastor Hodge here say so many times already, let the main thing be the main thing and keep it that way. And Father, I believe that today and the main thing is, is you. You're in front, Father. You're the reason. And so, Father, we're here today for the sole purpose to worship you and to yield our lives unto thee. So, Father, help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Song director's coming. Pianist is about to play. God's spoken to your heart today. I want you to come. How, how willing are you today to let God use you? Your response to the invitation will show that. How willing are you to do that? Everyone stand. What page? 500 Well, thank you. Thank you, folks. Most of all, thank you, Jesus. Let's leave this place knowing that there's something for us to do. Something for us to do for the Lord. In fact, there are many things for us to do for the Lord. And let that be the main thing in our hearts. Amen. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father and Holy God, we come before you today thanking you again. Lord, most of all, for your blessings this day and, Father, for the salvation in bringing us to this place, but, Father, bringing us to a place where we can go home to be with you. Lord, I pray for each and every person here, Lord, first of all, for their salvation, secondly, for their commitment and dedication, and then thirdly, Father, I pray for their health and safety. Father, bless each person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.